Hey, this is Eric, and this is the recap for Alohomora, episode 208. With me today is Allison. Hello, Allison. Hello. And Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Michael. Hi, <I'm> Michael. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, welcome to our recap. Today we're going to be talking about your feedback on uh, Alohomora, episode 208. Which is all about sorting... Or, as Allison put it, whatever, hat. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> there, there was so much to that episode. I'm glad we're kind of recapping of uh, some of the ideas from the listeners because uh, we could really do a whole second episode on the sorting hat. And we are hoping to do an episode in future about sortings in Ilvermorny because we wanted to get to it in that episode and we didn't have the time. Um, <laughs> Hopefully there will be more about Ilvermorny by the next time. Yeah, well, and we didn't even get into, um, we didn't even get into, uh, sorting outside of the canon. We, we didn't get into sorting through Pottermore in the real world as much as I think we wanted to, too. So there's definitely more to explore there. And we. A lot more. A lot. And to, and for today's further exploration, we, we and you, the listeners, can thank Marie Lindstrom from Patreon. Thank you so much, Marie, for making this recap possible we appreciate that so much yay we appreciate your help so much with that marie and you listener yes you can become a sponsor for as little as one dollar a month we will continue to release exclusive special tidbits for our sponsors um we we just recently released a new perk where i can read you a section of harry potter uh depending on the donation level uh we are as i say every episode we are working towards that let's play, but like for cereals, guys, it's the holidays, and I'm getting, uh, I, 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 I'm getting the opportunity to finally fix my graphics card. So <laughs> you're gonna see me play Sorcerer's Stone for PC. I swear it's gonna happen. I'm so excited, and I haven't even played it since I promised this let's play because I wanted to be fresh. So. I'm all over this. Like, take my money, Alohomora. <laughs> I need to see this. This is going to be a thing. But again, we can thank Marie Lindstrom today for helping out with this recap and allowing us to be able to further discuss sortings with you guys here on this recap. So let's dive in uh, to our comments this week. Lots of good comments. We're sorry that... Um, our site was having issues. <laughs> apologies. So our first comment comes from the head girl who says, Regarding Peter, I wonder if the hat put him in Gryffindor in an attempt to save him from himself. Maybe while it was on his head, it saw his cowardice, his need to be around stronger people, etc. But it may have also seen the itsy-bitsy spark of courage. Maybe it thought it could have put him in another house that would seem to suit him better, and he would be fine. But it would be best for him to be put somewhere that would encourage and develop that bravery. That way, at least he'd have a fighting chance to be something more. So we had quite a discussion about Peter, and this kind of also goes to our discussion of, does the hat put you what you value, what you are, or what you want to become, kind of? So it's funny, after all of our extensive discussion on that, um, in my research for episode 209... Which you will hear many quotes from this interview. I believe it was the Pottercast interview in 2007. If not, it was somewhere around there. Rowling actually, her opinion when she was asked, why did um, Peter get sorted into Gryffindor? Um, she did say something along the lines of, as the years went by, 
he got farther and farther away from what he could have been. Huh. Hmm. So that's her explanation for it. So that kind of leans on some things we were saying before on the episode and that kind of what is being said here that the idea that maybe the sorting hat, the sorting hat isn't always sorting for traits that are in the moment, but is also taking into consideration possibilities, I guess. I, I just expect more of a catalyst for Peter, Peter's dissonance and difference from, from the other Gryffindors. I expect sort of like a, a Snape, you know, what made Snape go bad? Oh, it didn't work out with Lily. You know, there's there's nothing quite like that for Peter. Peter was still um, one of the marauders. Mm-hmm. He was in the inner circle. He was as close to the inner circle as you could get. Then again, you know, he was consistently made fun of even by James. Um, so it's it's a lot more subtle, but it also it raises this question for that reason. Um, I like the idea that this the sorting hat is, because you only get one chance at the sorting, that it's... Um, preventative or but but ultimately i don't think that's the the nature of the hat is to be like judgy right because (laughs) because because 25 percent of students are going to go into slytherin uh you know if 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 the four fates and if the personalities are even uh so you're not supposed to be like oh you know i i think you could be bold if only i push you that way it's it's gonna make a, a call that that's more aligned with who you are as more of an arbitrary sort of one-time look, like a quick peek, and I'm going to tell you, you know, where you ought to be, um, as opposed to trying to mend personality flaws. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> that one, that one's one we can't, we, that's one, that one's just one we can't answer. Yeah, no idea. Yeah. Forever debated. Our next comment comes from Victor, who says, As to the subject of why people from the same family tend to be sorted into the same house, my supposition is that there are several factors which determine the probability that you will be sorted into any house. These factors contain one's genetic makeup, environmental factors, and other random factors unaccounted for. When it comes to the pureblood families, it is implied that most children are homeschooled. This would probably minimize any environmental influences. Also, if both parents were in the same house, then the proportion of variability in the probabilities of an individual being placed in any one of the four Hogwarts houses, I think, increases. Anomalies do occur, though, such as Sirius. I don't know what caused him to stray from the family line, but I think that the favoritism that was shown to Regulus played a part. As for Muggleborn families, they, unlike purebloods, come to Hogwarts mostly unbiased, or perhaps less biased, and predisposed to have an affinity for any of the houses than, for example, the Malfoys. Of course, biasing can occur in Muggleborns. We saw it with the Creevy brothers. Colin's enthusiasm and excitement rubbed off on Dennis, who was already biased towards Gryffindor before he even set foot in Hogwarts. If genetic makeup is an important factor in considering the house that someone is likely to be in, then why are the Patil twins sorted into different houses? The most likely reason, I think, is that they were hat stalls, and it is by chance that the sorting hat chose to resolve their hat stalling in different ways. Another reason I can think of is that the Patil twins are either muggle-born or half-blood, so may have gone to a muggle school and interacted with muggles, perhaps making different friends. Here, the environmental influence kicks in. Or it might also be the case that the twins wanted to be seen as individuals, so that once Padma was sorting into Ravenclaw, Parvati wanted to distinguish herself from her twin sister and be seen as her own person, which led to her being sorted into Gryffindor. 
Is it confirmed that the Patil twins were hat stalls? And it is confirmed no. that they are not hat stalls. It's confirmed that they're not hat They stalls. are hat stalls in the sense of Pottermore's uh, sorting quiz. They are not hat stalls in the true sense of the term. We had a discussion about this on the episode because the issue is that hat stalls... Um, hat stalls is defined by rolling means a sorting that took more than five minutes in, in the Harry Potter canon. Oh, right. So it's not just mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a tie. No. It, yeah. No. In, in the, in terms of Pottermore's quiz now, and I don't think this was that way before, but it is now. I'm not sure. Cause I wasn't a hat stall. I'm a Hufflepuff through and through. Um, but I think hat stall on Pottermore is like, oh. I couldn't figure out which house you are. You get to choose. This is kind of equivalent to sitting on the stool for five minutes. Yeah. The other the other thing I was going to ask was was with uh, you know with regards to Victor's comment because how many people actually know that your choice affects anything? Like if 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 the sorting hat is taking longer than five minutes, uh, then does it then just ask? Does it open it up? Does it look for some feedback? Does it converse with you? Because my <laughs> heads or tails. Yeah, heads or tails, kid. Uh, uh, Dark or light, stars. Yeah, dark or light. <laughs> right or left. Right or black. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I thought that only Harry really, like, Harry would have, just like with the Mirror of Erised, he would have been the only one who really figured out the magic behind, or the secret behind. But again, I don't know, this whole concept of hat stalls, it's, it doesn't surprise me that it, Never appeared in the actual books. Yeah, I think I think we're um, ta- we're we're talking. I think we're talking about Parvati and Padma's hat stalls, not not, not as hat stalls in the ca- in the in the um, Pottermore or in the um, canon sense. We're talking about in the Pottermore sense that maybe the two of them both both had a confusion about which house they should go to, or the hat had a confusion, but sorted it shorter than in five minutes. Um, I do like that. I do think that's an interesting idea that they. Um, they the two of them had preconceived notions about houses they wanted to be in to distinguish themselves from each other. That's interesting. That they they they. I kind of like it. Yeah, they sought to be more individuals than seen as a as set. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because I have a couple friends who are twins, and they are very different people. Um, I mean, they even look different, even though they're both girls and they're twins. And one's a Hufflepuff and one's a Gryffindor. Um, mm-hmm. like very much so both of those, mm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like very much. Um, so I think, I think it's interesting to look at those kinds of things of you've got like twins that do want to separate themselves, but then you have twins like Fred and George who are almost like one entity like they are always together they are always mm-hmm. feeding off of one another and working together and they finish each other's sentences and they're I, I don't know it's a very interesting way to say twins can come in different forms you can have the ones that are the same always together you don't see them separate and then you can have ones that want to be their own person and are their own person but just happen to have been born at the same time as a sibling I think one other thing to consider, uh, too, is that maybe because so little information seems to be provided to kids about the sorting before it takes place, uh, the idea that you could be sorted into separate houses and still see each other a whole heck of a lot 
Um, I, I just don't think it sinks in just how isolated you are in your own common room, how you're earning points for your house and your house alone. And unless you're scheduled classes with, you know, which only really ever happens with one other house uh, at a time in the early years, you know, it's possible that they chose to be separate and then later regretted uh, how far apart they actually were. Um, well, and the other thing, too, is not not only are there class times to meet, but you, you do have in-between times and after class before before curfew kicks in. So there are opportunities to see each other outside. Yeah. Do we see Harry utilizing that time? I mean, Harry never associates with non-Gryffindors. I was going to say, because um, all of Harry's friends are Gryffindors, so... Are Gryffindors, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry... I'd like to believe that they made it work. <laughs> Harry factors into this kind of uh, breakdown by Victor as well, because what I, I really like about this breakdown is that Victor cites that a lot of wizarding families, as Rowling has mentioned, are homeschooled. So they they probably get years and years of ideas of where they should go once they get to Hogwarts um, if their parents plan to send them there after their um, primary years. But Harry, you know, the thing the thing to remember with Harry, and we understand so much of the sorting through the way Harry understands it, um, which is what threw off everybody's views of the houses for so long, because Harry gets a very... Very biased, minimal... Rude introduction. Rude introduction to what the houses are, thanks to Hagrid, Ron, and Malfoy. And a little bit of Hermione, but by that time, he's pretty much already made his decision. Um, but he, he's, he's, he talks to three very biased people <laughs> about where he should be. And that, that does form his opinions pretty early and pretty quickly. I mean, unfortunately, bless his heart, but Hagrid is kind of the reason that Hufflepuffs had such a bad rap for as long as they did. Um, but, uh, but yeah. They did murder that girl, though. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll get there, Remember the time he killed a girl? (laughs) We'll get there. We have a lot to say about that in our main episode this week. Um, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, and and then I like the, the, I like to, that there, there was such a rarely cited example in here from Victor of the Creevy Brothers, because I never really thought about that. Because um, here we have a case of Muggleborns who have, you know, Den- through through Colin, Dennis has a pretty probably enthusiastic idea of where he wants to be. <laughs> right. Um, and, his, and he gets it. So, yeah, there's a lot of environmental fa- like I like that idea of environmental factors. I think that's great. Our last comment... For this episode comes from Weasley. Yeah, it says it better than me. Um, <laughs> yes, Weasley, who is really it's really pronounced Owsley apparently, and that is just your surname. But um, I'm glad that you appreciated my pronunciation. <laughs> Thank you for uh, correcting that on Twitter, um, and you're welcome for turning your surname into a clever Potter pun. <laughs> anyway they say for the average 11 year old entering hogwarts just to get an education at a time of peace it's probably his or her first significant categorization in life kids at that age are heavily influenced by labels for those who go in having no preconception of what house they should be in they're likely to embrace the label they're given and ultimately go through self-fulfilling prophecy well i'm a gryffindor so i must be supposed to do blank in this situation it also jumpstarts their finding of friend groups 
They say you're the average of your five closest friends. Aside from our slanted view of Slytherin during the time the books are based on, the upside is that these can all be positive reinforcement for the kids. There's nothing wrong with telling a kid, well, you're most likely to be loyal and a hard worker, or you're most likely to be very studious, or you're likely to be an ambitious leader, and so on. But house selection will definitely have a lasting effect on kids who are shaped during those years. And while no, they probably won't introduce themselves as first name, last name, house, when they're 40, there could still be distinct advantages later in life. Companies with leaders who want who went to a certain school or who were in a certain fraternity sorority are much more likely to pull a resume of someone with the same credentials. They're automatically more easy to relate to and find common ground with, and it gives more insight into their history. I could see the same in the wizarding world. You have four applicants, one from each house, to a position working for a Gryffindor. He's probably more likely to pick the Gryffindor, even if it's not blatantly stated or used as official qualifications. So this comment goes to back to our discussion last week about kind of how the house is, how your house sorting, does your house sorting have an effect on you in your adult life? Um, right. And what are the consequences of that? Um, I, this comment made me think, and I don't really know if how this works, and I was thinking of it more when I was prepping for episode 209, and I was uh, reading about a particular individual who had a lot to do with our main topic this week, which is Horcruxes, and that was uh, Slughorn. Hmm. And I was thinking in terms of, well, there is the Slug Club. Right. And That's transhousial. Yes, but I wonder if, I wonder if, and again, I, I, this is all supposition. I can't, I can't really point to the text necessarily, not at the moment, that I wonder if Slughorn was being mindful of house traits when he was picking kids. Um, he doesn't seem to have been, like you said, Eric, he does seem to be more interested in actual talent than where you're sorted. Yeah. But I don't, I, I, I just wonder if there's, you know, something, I mean, he was also, uh, granted he was, I don't know if he was, I don't, is it confirmed that he was head of Slytherin house during his first run as, I am not a hundred percent on that because, yeah. you know, he was hobnobbing with the Slytherins. It would seem yeah. at the time. So I don't know. There's just, I, I don't know if house houses were taken into effect, but I mean, that had drastic effects as Rowling summarizes in that extra material via Pottermore that, you know, these these individuals through the Slug Club, a lot of their success was determined by being a part of that club, which again, like you said, it's a mixing of the houses, but it's run by a Slytherin, and I just wonder if that wasn't something he was considering. I, I, it certainly it seems like it would present an in um, because he knows how to he knows what the common vulnerabilities are of each like Slytherin. Oh, your ambition, you know. But he's not really searching for vulnerabilities. He's searching for strengths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, although he wants to use people's strengths to his advantage, so that sort of he's looking for vulnerabilities to collect people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard for me to but, think of of it outside of like because the the best example we get of effect in later life is mostly with Slytherins. Because <laughs> I hate... Oh, I, you were a Slytherin. Yeah. yeah. Because they never quite leave school, do they? No. They, they're always... <laughs> isn't that a, like a, an interesting thought? It's true. That Slytherins are the least likely to... Like, like you should vote a Slytherin most likely to return to, to school because uh, <laughs> Snape, uh, you know, is haunted by his past and can't escape it. Uh, Slughorn comes back. 
Lucius works. Lucius works for this. He's the home yeah. board of governors. Governor. <laughs> Lucius is a governor. Voldemort, you know, all of the Death Eaters to a person come back, uh, you know, <laughs> to well, destroy it, to set it on fire. But you know, that's, well, and you know that gets into the larger kind of political implications with some of those individuals that they see the value in controlling, using politics to control education. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. I, it is funny that Slytherins do seem to. I mean that that also ties into Slytherins being very prideful of their, of, like, and not all Slytherins, but we're talking. I think the fanatical pureblood Slytherins, being very obsessed with their heritage and their house and their background and continuing that line, um, they seem to be a little more determined on that front than perhaps everyone else. <laughs> Um, like the Weasleys, like Ron, Ron suggests that it would be a bit of a disappointment if he wasn't in Gryffindor, but I can't see it being the same kind of disappointment as a Slytherin being sorted elsewhere. Yeah. So more of a shock, but not a disappointment. His family probably would have been thrilled if he'd been in like Ravenclaw or even Hufflepuff. I'm sure they would have been (laughs) fine with that. So, yeah, I don't, but because we never get an example of like wizards applying for a job at the ministry and like a question of like what house were you in at Hogwarts? But I think you mentioned that last week, Allison, about kind of the equivalency of like citing your alma mater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What that can sometimes do for you in the world. <laughs> so. Definitely. Yeah, I don't... I do think that there is... What I like about this comment, uh, I think one of the really meatiest parts of this comment is the idea that, you know, regardless of what it does to you in adulthood, it is going to affect you from the get-go, which will carry on into your adulthood anyway. So, it will affect you in adulthood. Maybe not in the ways we were thinking last week, though. Because if you are told... At the age of 11, well, you're, you're evil or <laughs> you're crazy brave. You're like jump in front of a bus brave or like, maybe it's, yeah, jump in front of, <laughs> jump in front of the night. Maybe bus. it's in, in going back to the head girls comment. I wonder if, I wonder if it's not in fact smart to kind of overgeneralize in that way because it, it say you get sorted into Slytherin and, and one of your friends from Slytherin says, oh, there's not a witch or a wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin, which is the lie. Um, <laughs> but that, then it, 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 but it immediately confronts you with, with the reality of this is what you have to contend against, right? Mm-hmm. At least then you know what not to yeah. become. Um, and it sort of prepares you in a way. It's like, why don't you build, you know, work against this stereotype? But it is a burden. It's quite a burden for an 11-year-old. Um, so I was trying to be, and, and, you know, Hufflepuffs, it's kind of like a free ride, like, oh, you're going to be loyal. You're going to be, you know, and, and there isn't necessarily a negative connotation with them. So I guess it's not really, it's, it's quite one-sided. Well, it's kind of like when Rowling cited that on Twitter, when she was kind of, or, or no, not on Twitter, that was a Pottermore thing when she was talking about anomalies and houses. And she, she did say, you know, like it's not out of the realm of possibility of like, there can be, like, lazy, unfriendly Hufflepuffs. There can be kind of unchivalrous, um, meek Gryffindors. There can be the, the you can be the opposite in your house. That 
that happens. Um, and, you know, in some ways, I wonder if that wouldn't affect... You know, Allison, I was thinking of you with this just because you and I both deal with, you know, children in early education and formative years. Mm-hmm. And I, I've definitely learned through my work that... And I think many people would say, you know, children are sponges. Um, yeah. They will pretty much just take in whatever is around them. So, and, and children tend to see things in a very black and white way with certain things. Mm -hmm. So if you do give them that generalization, they will take it on as such. Um, they won't probably, it'll be harder for them to see the layers in between. So I think that's something as educators that I'm pretty sure we're both pretty mindful of or try to be careful of. Yeah. Even, I mean, even in silly things, I mean, my class read Harry Potter at the beginning of the year and I had them sorted into houses and I told them, I was like, this has nothing to do with what you actually are. Like (laughs) we don't hate on any houses. And I still had kids when we do competition, they'd be like, all the Slytherins are evil and terrible. It's like, all right, whatever. Like, and they'll grow out of that eventually. Yeah, it's 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 just like it's a consequence of the story of having to of having to do a story because the the Harry Potter books weren't about these four houses, right? They were about yeah. kids at a school that you know, and there's a wizard and all of this stuff. And it wasn't really about the houses, and so the consequences you get sort of two dimensional or not fully thought out. You know, kind of J.K. Rowling didn't spend the seventeen years writing the series. Uh, working out all the kinks and all of the, to, you know, to make sure that it was really flawless and, and completely understood how the houses work. They just, they just did. They had to work because the, the story that needed to be told. Yeah. Well, I think the way you put it, Eric, is a, a kind of an excellent way to wrap this up is that the, like you said, the idea that presenting these 11 year olds with the, these broad, kind of concepts for their house and that idea that maybe it presents something to work against or something to uh, transcend in some ways or aspire to the best qualities of speaks to the theme of the, the point of the houses in Harry Potter and what they mean by the end of it, by the end of Harry's journey. And as Harry says to Albus, which is that it's, it's your choices yeah. And if you want, if you can choose to be what this house defines you to be. And that ties in even more grandiosely to the, to the prophecy and, and the statements that are made in books five and six about prophecy that you, there are these things that kind of foreshadow things, but you have the choice to break away from that. You don't have to be boxed in by that. So screw you, sorting hat. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Whatever hats. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> whatever we, we do what we want <laughs> <laughs> and we just want to give before we wrap this all up a shout out to courtney h2o how am i going to translate this lisa and Juan slinger for great comments as well as a shout out maxima as michael calls it <laughs> to Diskid for examining why pottermore's definition of a hat stall may not be wrong you sure and not dad kid, dad kid? Dis- definitely not dad kid. Dis kid. Dis kid. Dad kid. And to that time, Remus Wadawazid Voldy for sparking a discussion on our listeners' Hogwarts and Ilvermorny houses, which yes. is always good to see. It's so yes. interesting to see how those match up. 
No, that was cool. That was really cool, especially since we didn't get the chance to cover that, and we're hoping to cover that in future listeners. Oh, we have to, especially because I was right. I just want to throw that out there. I was right. Oh, yes. And Tina's houses. That was a little bit of... J.K. Rowling confirmed on Twitter. Vindication on our part. We got a little... uh, We got a little... Vindicated. There from from Rowling. I appreciate it. (laughs) That was a nice moment for us. Um... But, uh, but yes, no, we, we did want to thank you listeners for just uh, really, despite the technical difficulties, you still managed to uh, carry on the conversation in really interesting and thoughtful ways. And once again, uh, we want to thank Marie Lindstrom for helping us carry on this conversation in new and interesting, in interesting ways and incorporating the listeners' thoughts um, by allowing us to be able to do this recap because Marie was our sponsor this week on Patreon, and you, listener, can sponsor us at patreon.com slash alohomora for as low as a dollar a month um, and help keep Alohomora going so that we can host these files. We have large files now, and we have two of them every other week. Got a lot of, lot of content for you that we're doing just with the show alone, um, so it really helps out to have your um, donations. We really appreciate it. Cool. Speaking of big uh shows yes there is a big show it's so big we had to split it into seven <laughs> maybe eight parts uh but then those eight parts were all reassembled into one show which is alohomora 209 uh, voldabits <laughs> calling it most definitely voldabits get your voldabits we talk about voldabits aka horcruxes and the three of us are on the episode, and it's amazing and wonderful. And a returning listener guest who now uh, does some work for MuggleNet. But but it, that's not why we had her on. It's not nepotism. <laughs> it's because she's she's one of the world's only Voldemort fans, and she will defend him <laughs> to the death, uh, which she almost does in this coming episode. So definitely look forward to it. Um, that's it for us in this bonus segment. We want to thank all of our patrons for supporting us again. Uh, I am Eric Skull. And I, I'm Allison Sigurd. And I'm Michael Harley. Uh, you can come and get your Voldy Bits on episode 209. We'll see you Voldibits, for Voldibits, the main discussion. Voldy Voldy Bits, Voldy Bits. I mean, at this, everybody can stop recording. At this point, how can we name the episode anyway? I'm Allison Sigurd. Are we doing last names now? <laughs> we can. <laughs> Sorry. She's sick. It's okay. You did sound quite unsure of your last name for a minute. Sigurd? What? Who am I? Who am I? I'm John Eric keeps getting songs stuck in my head, though, too. Eric, can you reboot from your name just for to lead her in? Yeah. I'm Eric Skull.